So we're in this new series that Alan introduced next week. I'm super excited about it. He did a great job of introducing it. It's called Greater Than These, Participating in the Mission, the Kingdom Mission of Jesus, which is our third pillar, Participating in the Kingdom Mission of Jesus. And, and Greater Than These stands for, um, I know, Julie Butler, you're here. Are you back for good? Or are you just like, you're back for good? Hallelujah. Okay, so... Um, greater than these stands for the scripture that talks about us doing greater works than Jesus Christ. And in the talk last week, when Alan said that, he goes, we're going to get to that in a bit. And he never did. He just, he never did. I was like, oh, good. He's going to take the hard bit of this title and do it. Um, because it kind of, the whole series hinges on this reality of understanding. What does it mean that we'll do greater works than Jesus? So thanks for nothing, Alan. He's on vacation. And, uh, And so I'm going to try to tackle that topic today. And what's scary, and that's not scary. I'm not scared of it. But I read a ton about it. There's like 15 different thoughts, if not more, on what this scripture means. But don't worry, I know the right one, and I'm going to share it with you today. Okay? Bill Johnson's listening from California. Tim Keller up in New York. They all contacted me, and they're excited about this talk, as I know you are. Um, But in the uh, introduction last week, Alan talked about Annette and how God, he... uh, that really that story is about, the, of, of making fishers of men, going out. Really that story is about the net and how much time is spent. The majority of time for fishermen were spent mending the nets, getting the nets ready to fish. Okay? And the, uh, kind of the meaning, or what Alan was getting at in that, is that we uh, do greater things. Uh, we do greater works than Jesus. We are able to participate in the kingdom of God when we allow Jesus to mend us. Okay, to mend us, and then we're united as a net together, and Jesus casts that net into the community, and we become healers and menders of other people so that they can be part of the net. I thought about like going around and saying, like, I'm a net, I'm a net, by myself, and grabbing somebody. Look at two nets, we're bigger, we can catch more people, and then three nets, till everyone in the church was touching and grabbing hands, and then I thought, man, that would be awkward for visitors, and we know you would not come back, whoever you are. So I'm sparing you for, for, from that. So, uh, so there you go. But that's the idea. That's the thought. Is that we become who we're created to be whenever we're as a body. And when we're not functioning in the body of Christ, the body of Christ doesn't receive and benefit from all of our blessings. But also what we bring to the world is marginalized because, it, because you're lacking from it. Okay? So as we talk about these things, it's all kind of within that context. And he talked about, um, you know, this is my favorite verse in the Bible. It's Luke 4, 18 and 19. He said, this is the mission of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, when we read that, when I read that, it feels like, really? I'm going to be able to set people free? I'm going to be able to bring the kingdom of God, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I was talking about that's the year of Jubilee, when debts were, were released, when there's total freedom in every area of our life. Israel never experienced that, ever, because they were disobedient and they began to serve an earthly king. They wanted an earthly king. And so they never experienced that. And Jesus comes on the scene and is like, the time is now. And then he passes that, that on to us and saying, guys, the time is now. The kingdom of God is within you. Don't look for it to come. It will come in a more fuller way. But right now, the kingdom of God is here, and we're called 
to bring that kingdom, to participate with Jesus in bringing that kingdom. But we question, the enemy nails us. He just is like, yeah, really? You're really going to bring the kingdom? Let's be serious. You're not going to do what Jesus did. But then in John 20, 21, which is another verse that we talked about last week, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. We just finished talking about, in the disciplines of the Spirit, the Bible for three weeks. And we talked about, are you going to ground your life on how you feel, or are you going to ground your life on the Word of God? Yep. I mean, those are realities. Something is going to inform truth in your life. And this is Jesus telling you in the Bible, this is from God, telling you that you, I'm sending you, I'm choosing you to go into the world. I'm choosing you to go into the world. I'm choosing you to represent me. And we, again, we hear that and you're like, I'm unworthy, I'm dirty, I got brokenness, I got shame, I, I got things in my life that if you only knew about, that there's no way God would include me in this mission. You know what? You're right. You are jacked up. You are messed up and how Jesus chose us because I'm messed up. Why and how Jesus chose us is beyond me that we are his plan A and there is no plan B, C or anything after us. There's no plan. We are it. And yet we read this, you know, and I think a part of God, you know, I just think that he might have said, yo, Jesus, that's, I don't, that's not a good idea. You know, that's not a good idea. And God's like, there's no way they can do that. There's no way that they're going to be able to do that, Jesus. You're going to die on the cross. You're going to raise from the dead. And you're going to send them out. And they are not going to do that because they are so jacked up. But God didn't say that, you know. He didn't say that, thankfully. He didn't feel that, thankfully. Because Jesus and the Father are one. Um, but Jesus says this in the next verse that gives us a clue about how we are going to do this. Peace be with you. The Father sent me, so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Boom. Surprise. So it's in the power of the Spirit. It's only when we receive the Spirit. It's in, only in the power of the Spirit that we can do the things that Jesus did. Why? Because he too, it says the Spirit fell on him, rested on him, and lived through him so that he could do the things that the Father asked him to do. It says that Jesus only did the things that the Father Asked him to do. And when Jesus sends us out, he fills us with the Spirit, gives us the power to do that, and then we are only called to do the things that Jesus asked us to do. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no way that we could do that. And so you're thinking, like, oh, well, that's that gives me hope. If I can be jacked up, I am, and Jesus is mending me, and then I can be a vendor because the Holy Spirit's filled in me. And we begin to believe this. We begin to have confidence in this. And then Jesus drops another bomb on us. That the enemy just is like, see, there's no way. There's no way you're going to be able to do that. And the bomb is what we're going to talk about a little more today. He says in John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. We just talked about that. Okay, We're going to be able to do the works that Jesus did because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But then he says this. Which is just, what in the what? You read this and you're like, what does that mean? And he says, and greater works than these will you do. Because I am going to the Father. Greater works you will do because I am going to the Father. What does that mean? In the, in the light of the servant is not greater than the master. 
in light of Jesus living a sinless life, and then he's crucified, and then he rises from the dead, and then we are forgiven through him for all of our sin. He conquers death. He's in heaven interceding, sitting on the right hand of the Father, place of honor, and then he's making a place for us and will come back to get us. How in the world are we going to do something greater than that? We're not. We're not. That's not what it's talking about here. There is only one Christ. There is only one Savior. There is no one who has come or will come that will deal with death, that will deal with sin in our life, and that will bring us freedom. There is only one. And so we don't want to confuse that with this question of, I'm going to do greater things. You will never do greater things. There will never be anyone, there will, be no, there will never be and has never been anyone who's claimed to be God, has been the way to God, except Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except Jesus Christ. But it's because of this great miracle, this one-time miracle, that we, that enables us, I'm going to unpack this, enables us to do what Jesus is talking about when he says, you're going to do greater things than these. Okay? And so, I mean, it's pretty amazing. But what I want to look at now are just several, several of the many theories that people have about what does it mean whenever Jesus says, greater things than these will you do. Okay? One of them is that, and Alan talked about this last week, is that um, some believe it has to do with numbers of people saved. Okay, they estimate Jesus, like 500 people came to Jesus whenever he walked the earth. Okay, and so they're like, Billy Graham's got him beat on that one. Greater work for Billy Graham. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Check for Billy Graham, right? But there's lots of people who preach in front of greater numbers and have greater amount of salvation than Jesus did. And so they're, and what they do is, in order to say that, they have to diminish the greater works. Well, certainly it doesn't mean miracles, And so they get rid of all the supernatural stuff, and they say, well, it has to be this, which is a horrible argument. Because, like Alan said, this word that's used here is not a quantitative word. It's not about numbers. It's about quality. It really means quality and power. There's something unique that we're going to do that is greater. Okay? So throw that one out. But that's also a true reality. That's also true about the kingdom of God when it has come in following Jesus. And so it's just not false. It's just that this is in a scripture that speaks to that. Okay, greater, and one of, the, one of the, th- the theories is that it's greater because the gospel went beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. Okay, and so this is a greater gospel. You're going to do greater things because you're going to take the gospel to greater places than Jesus did. Okay, and that's kind of the numeric thing, a little geographical thing. It's true But this is not the scripture that speaks to that truth. Okay, now this is, we're going to narrow down. We're heading down, kind of the the third one is is heading in the direction, the right direction. Others say it has to do with believers carrying on what Jesus has started. Kind of like we are standing on the work of Jesus Christ. That we are following this long line of predecessors, that there were the covenants that were built on each other, built on each other, built on each other in the Old Testament. They were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, okay? And then they were experienced in the believers that followed Jesus Christ. And so it's like we're in this long lineage of history, and we are the greatest expression 
the world has ever seen and ever will see of the work of Jesus Christ. Now, that sounds, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That sounds pretty good. And there is truth in that. There's truth in that. And I just want to unpack that a little bit because it leads us to the true correct meaning, which is from me. Okay? And so, the Bible does say that all of us are greater than John the Baptist. Not Jesus. It says that we're greater than John the Baptist. In Matthew eleven eleven, it says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so everyone in the world that has been born, nobody's greater than John the Baptist because we're all born of women, okay? Unless you're in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he bursts a child somehow, right? I don't remember what the name is, but, but everyone else is born of a woman. So everyone else, no one is great. It's John the Baptist, okay? But then it says, yet, the one who is the least in the kingdom of God, of heaven, is greater than he. And so all of us, any of us who have become a part of the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who is greater than all the prophets, than everyone else, okay? So then we started to see the significance. There is something unique about those of us who live under the lordship of Jesus. And then it unpacks it a little more in Matthew 13, 16. He's talking to Jesus, talking to the disciples. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I solemnly declare to you many prophets and righteous person, persons. This is Joseph. This is Aaron. This is Jacob. This is Abraham. This is John the Baptist. All these people that have gone before them, they have longed. I declare to you that many prophets and righteous persons have longed to see what you were seeing, yet did not see, and to hear what you were hearing, and did not hear it. So those of us that are least in the kingdom of God, we, because we have experienced Jesus, because we know the Holy Spirit, there is an intimacy that we have there is a privilege that we have been given that others before, have has, uh, before us have longed for, but they have not received it in the measure that we have so that we can participate in the kingdom ministry of Jesus Christ. So all of those are true. That last one speaks more to the truth, and probably is the truth. I'm just going to add on to it. You know, it's more to the truth than any of these other thoughts. But this is why I think, this is what, this is, and I've read, and, and other people say this, just not my translation, okay? Um, but this is what I think the most incredible thing is, 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 you know, for God to show his, salva- his salvation through Jesus Christ, for, for God to bring people into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, it is, that is great. That is great, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. But for God to choose us, for God to choose me, a sinner, to bring people into the kingdom of God, that is greater. That is amazing. Because of our brokenness, because of our frailty, because we don't deserve it. And we're talking about spiritual eternity, shifting the position and the posture of someone's life for eternity, from darkness to light, from eternity with God to an eternity forever 
without God, that God would use us in that way is truly an amazing thing. I'm going to show you a scripture that, that proves this or shows this. But imagine this. Imagine LeBron James. Okay, if you don't know who that is, he's like the second best basketball player ever. MJ is by far the best. Michael Jackson. No. Michael Jordan. Okay? So let's imagine that you are watching LeBron dunking basketball. He's the dun 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 dun. And he's like up there, boom, right? You'd be like, well, that's all right. Like, obviously, you're going to dunk a basketball. You can touch the rim without jumping, okay? Now, imagine that there's an old lady and a walker with a basketball sitting underneath the net. And all of a sudden, she does like, boing, boom, and dunks the basketball. You'd be like, holy moly, look at that. Right? You would. I would. And... Here's the reality, though. Is that's not going to happen. That old lady's never going to do that. There's no way. She got all decrepit, and she got jacked up knees like me. She's all, you know, like, <clears throat> there's no way she could do that. But what if LeBron James took the lady to half court, and he picked her up, and he started trucking down the court with her, right? And as they jump up, he hands her the basketball, he spins around, and the old lady's like, Boom! That would be incredible. That would be amazing. That's what happens when we do greater works. It's not on our own. It's we're filled with the Spirit. And Jesus brings us to the hoop of miraculous opportunity, of sharing the gospel in power. He hands us the ball, and we get to dunk it. Not in our own power, but in the power of Jesus Christ. And the power of Jesus Christ. And people see that and they're like, holy cow. That is amazing. That glorifies God. That makes Jesus look amazing. Okay, so in this illustration, you're the old lady and I'm LeBron. No, I'm just kidding. Jesus is LeBron in this deal. And he is the one, not LeBron, Jesus is the one who's empowering us to do these things. I'll say this. All the commentators that talk about this verse, greater than these, what does this mean? They all agree on one thing, and it's what I just told you. They all believe that this greater work can only happen through the power of Jesus Christ in our life. We can only expand the kingdom of God through the power of Jesus Christ to more people. We can only extend the kingdom of God to people that don't feel like they deserve it, like the Gentiles, if we are filled with the power of Jesus Christ. We can only fulfill our destiny and purpose as unique children of God, expanding the kingdom for God in a way that it never has been, only through the power of Jesus Christ. Okay, so as we talk about doing the greater things, just know this, it's only in the power of Jesus Christ that this can happen. Okay, now, I'm going to show you how this practically works out. I'm going to run through this. I'm not going to have time to do what I, all that I wanted to do. I have a diving board I was going to bring in. I can't do that. Getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some of the people brought to him a paralytic lying in a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, before we go on, this is the story. It's shared in all the Gospels. Um, and it is in the synopsis in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and it's, it's the story of the, the, where they lower the guy on the mat through the roof, okay? So they don't say all the same things in all the Gospels because it's a different perspective from the author, okay? 
And when, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, Rise up, uh, rise, pick your bed, Pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid. And they glorified God, who had given such authority, who had given such authority to men. To men. Not God, to men. Us, men. Okay? Now, we read a story, and we see this paralytic. He comes in on the mat, and Jesus says, Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. And I'm there thinking, okay, great, Jesus, but it's, he can't walk. We came here because he can't walk. And we see this, and we see this account of Jesus' healing, and we think, why is he doing this? Why is he healing his heart, forgiving his sins? What's the big deal? Like, he, the story's about him being healed physically. And that's how we often think. We see someone who's hurt physically, and we immediately go and we pray for them Physically, they're not healed, and we think that, what's up, God? His arm needed to be healed. But all the time, I think this story teaches us there's a greater work that Jesus is showing us and he's calling us to. And that's the miracle of healing the heart. This is the greater thing that we're called to, that nobody before us could do, is heal the heart. In this story, in the other Gospels, in all of the Gospels, no one asks Jesus to heal in this situation, which is usually what happened. You know, the blind beggar comes and is like, Jesus, please heal me if you will. All these stories, asking Jesus, asking Jesus to heal. And in this story, there's silence. And, and, and the guy on the mat, and this is what, all, this is what every, all the commentators say, is, the guy on the mat was brought to Jesus under the understanding of everyone else that he needed to be healed physically. But Jesus saw into his heart like only God could do. He saw into his heart and he forgave his sins, which only God could do, which is really the purpose that he was there. We don't know what the sin was, but they say that he must have been filled with a shame and a guilt that he hadn't told anybody. And when he lay on that mat, Jesus saw what it was. And I, I can imagine wondering what Jesus was going to do in the midst of these Pharisees. He could have said, dude, you're, you did that? Whoa, I need to forgive that first. The fear that that man would have felt looking up into the eyes of Jesus and Jesus, the compassion that he felt as he was looking into the heart of this man. And so Jesus chose to heal the greater thing. To heal the greater thing. Leading that man where? Into the kingdom of God. When Jesus did this, the Pharisees got ticked off, right? Because they're saying, blasphemy, he's blasphemy. Why? Because only God can forgive sins, which is true. Only God, why? Because only God can look into the heart of a man and know what's really going on. And not only look into the heart of a man and see that it is repentant and forgive him. Only God can do that. And so they're ticked off. 
They're mad. They're angry because what he's doing is blasphemous. Or Jesus is God. Those are two things. Either he isn't, he's blasphemous, or he is because he can do these things. And they side with he's a blasphemer. And Jesus says, okay, and they're kind of saying, yeah, Jesus, anybody can say your, your sins are forgiven because you can't see into that man's heart. There's no way that you're God. But you're, not, you're afraid to say, get up, your, uh, get up and be healed. Get up and take your mat and walk because then we would see that you're not the son of God. And Jesus says, look, it's all the same to me. It's easier for me. I can say your sins are forgiven because I can, I can see the heart of this man. I can say that, you know, I can bring you out of your shame and your guilt because he sees the sins of this man. But still for their sake, he says, but for your sake, because you don't believe I am who I am, I'll heal him physically. The lesser of the two healings. And he demonstrates to them, actually, I am God. Boom, now take this. Take a look at this. Get up your mat and walk, Right? And he takes up his mat, and they say that the man, you know, how, how, how slowly he would have walked out of there probably. And people were amazed. Their mind was blown. And the Pharisees were silenced. And it caused them to increase their persecution and desire to kill Jesus. Greater is the spiritual healing of a heart than the physical. And the physical can lead to the healing. But the spiritual can also lead to the physical. Okay, so it's not one or the other. But the greater thing is the healing of the heart. Okay, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. Okay, um, you hear Garrett's story, right? And Garrett's saying, I went through all these physical things. These physical things are still bothering me. But what I want to testify to are the spiritual things that happened in my heart. What I want to testify to is not the physical things that God did. What was powerful about my encounter is what God did in my heart, drawing me close to him. And we hear that testimony, and if you're sitting in the room and you don't know Jesus, and you're having things happen in your life that are out of your control, you don't have a job, you're frustrated, you're angry, you feel shame like the person on the mat, you're afraid of people knowing who you really are, the invitation today is to come to Jesus. Because he's looking at you right now. He sees you on the mat. He sees what's wrong with you physically. And he says, but I am going to heal you spiritually. I am going to bring transformation to your heart and to your life for eternity. And so Jesus is healing Garrett, physically some, but he's healing Garrett in a holistic way in his heart. Why? So that he can become a healer, not of the physical, but of the spiritual. When we talk about doing things that are greater than Jesus, what we're talking about, doing things in the power of Jesus, bringing people into the kingdom of God, participating with Jesus, not only in the physical. We see that through all of Scripture. But what we don't see are normal people who are filled with the Spirit, filled with the power of God, shifting the cosmic reality of the kingdom of God for eternity, shaping the, the kingdom history of God. God pulling us into a story that is so much greater than ours that we could never do it without the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus wants to give us the ball and to dunk it. Because when we do, he is glorified. 
He is glorified. When we do the greater works, people don't look at us. They know in their heart that they're experiencing Jesus. When we pray for someone and they're healed, they're healed physically, they might give some credit to us, but not when their heart is transformed. Not when their heart is transformed. That is the greater thing. That is the greater work that we're called to. And so in this series, in every talk that we give, every talk, you need to remember that it's about the heart. It's about the heart. Jesus is about the heart. He's about your heart. That's the net he's mending so that you can mend the hearts of others. You are the greater work. You are the greater work that Jesus has done in the world so that you can do the greater work that he's called us to as his followers. I know. Stand.